Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. So this morning, uh, I have the opportunity to, to share the word with you, and uh, I've, I've been looking forward to sharing this with you for a very, very long time. Part of what the Lord has been doing in the season of COVID, he's been grabbing hold of our attention. We know that there's been shifting and shaking. We know that a lot of people have been you know, flummoxed by what's been going on. And we are grateful to the Lord that he's been giving insight with regards to what's actually going on behind the scenes. We know that there's the rise and the fall of nations. We know that God is bigger than all of the chaos and he is over everything and he is able to use anything and everything, turn it around and use it for his purposes and for his glory. And so we've, we've been studying things for uh, the, the last number of months as, as we've been seeing the Lord speaking to us through the prophets of old as they gave to us something of the principles of how to face a lockdown. And, uh, and so as we've been contemplating what the Lord's been doing, one of the things that I want us to speak about this morning is this whole aspect of rest. That the Lord has been bringing the whole planet into an opportunity where we can rest. Now, it's possible that you could miss the purposes of God. It's possible that you could be so caught up in worry, in fear and anxiety, in striving, in trying to hustle and make a plan that you've actually missed this opportunity that God has given that you could find rest in the middle of all of this chaos. Remember Jesus He's in the middle of a storm and he's in a boat. He's with the disciples. These guys are fishermen, most of them. They've been on the lake their whole lives. They they know how to handle the water in storms. This is not their first storm. And these guys are panicking because it's a storm way bigger than anything they'd ever experienced before. And how does Jesus handle the storm? He takes a rest. (laughs) Jesus gets into a place of rest in the middle of the storm and he begins to model something for his followers, his disciples. That's us. And, uh, And so in the middle of the storm of COVID and of international lockdowns and shutdowns and, and chaos, the, the rise and fall of nations. We, we, we've just watched with, with uh, uh, so much uh, perplexity what's been going on in uh, major nations, uh, superpowers uh, on the planet in this last week and it's caused so much unsettling. And, uh, and we watch all of the storm and what is our response to be? 
Is it that we should get filled with anxiety and we should you know, get caught up in, in all of the, the, the furor and there's, there's, there's just so much polarization that's taking place, people for, people against, people attacking those who are for, people attacking those who are against. It's kind of like, whoa, guys, peace, be still. In the middle of the storm, let's take our cue from Jesus. Let's just... Get into a place of rest. You know, we, we have a friend of the house. His name is Charles Stock. And uh, comes from Harrisburg in, in Pennsylvania. And uh, that was a center of a lot of it, world attention just uh, in the last uh, couple of months. And one of the things that Charles taught us was that, that we should be looking for God's redemptive purposes in each and every nation, situation and circumstance. What is God wanting to do? So the opposite may be being manifest. We may be experiencing the exact opposite. Maybe there was something in our history that God was wanting to do. Let us go and look for the redemptive purpose. The enemy always comes to steal, kill, destroy. So he's moving in the opposite of what God is wanting to do. So sometimes we look at the terrible things that's happening on the planet and we say, hang on, hang on, wait a minute. What would God's redemptive purpose be? Let's begin to pray that in. Let's begin to prophesy and declare that. Let's trust the Lord that he would move in the opposite spirit. Maybe there's some good things from our history, from our past as a family. Let's reach into those things. Maybe it's something just in, in the natural, a gift, a skill, an ability that someone in a previous generation had. Well, let's reach into that. It was God's purpose for you and for your heritage, part of your inheritance, that you should walk in that. So reach out and grab a hold of it. Yeah? Maybe there's some people in your family line or maybe there are things in our nation that were the exact opposite of God's plans and purposes. Oh, hang on, wait a minute. There's a thief has sown weeds in the field. Well, we look for the redemptive purpose. What would God have wanted to occur? What is the strength that the enemy is trying to nullify? Let's go after that. So in this time where there's so much chaos and people are in a frenzy, Let's look for what is God's redemptive purpose. I believe one of the redemptive purposes of God in this time is rest. And it's so easy for us to miss it as God's people because we get caught up in the narrative and we get swept along with the tide of what everybody else is doing and how they're responding. And we can miss what God actually intended for us as his people, how we should be living, how we should be responding in the context of this particular storm. So we know, as we looked at Jeremiah, and we were looking at many of the other prophets, as they were speaking to God's people who were facing this lockdown situation. Yeah, we, the captivity was a 70-year lockdown. My goodness, that is one enormous time of being locked away. But how did God prepare 
his people for that lockdown? How did he prepare them for captivity? How did they navigate as they were going into it? How did God speak to them as they were in the middle of it? Then how did God prepare for them to come out of it and then to step into restoration? And so we looked at this big sweep of church history uh, from uh, the, the 700s BC into the 600s BC and, and how God was speaking through the prophets and preparing God's people that they should live for him and would understand what he was doing in that time. We know Jeremiah's chapter 29 and verse 11, that famous verse that most of us have memorized, we've got it in our fridge, whatever it is. But the Lord says, I know, in other words, I, this is in the front of my mind, I know the plans that I have for you. I've not forgotten them, I've not discarded them, I know these plans. And these plans are for your good, to prosper you, to favor you, to give you hope, and to give you a future. It's kind of like, wow, I want that. Yay, what was the context in which Jeremiah prophesied these powerful words? It was in the middle of a storm. It was as they were going into and they were in the first stages of lockdown. God was giving to his people an understanding that this lockdown was not going to last forever. And in fact, even though the exact opposite of what we would understand to be favor, prosperity, the goodness of the Lord, the exact opposite of that was happening, God still said, my plans are not changed, I'm still with you, I'm still gonna take care of you. Yeah, this is the context in Jeremiah chapter 29, and he says, guys, pray for the peace of the city, I, I taking you into captivity, it, it's Babylon, oh my goodness, Babylon, how could we even pray for Babylon? God gives a very clear, powerful word, he says, pray for the prosperity of Babylon. Settle down, go for it, right? Live not the way the world lives. Don't live the way the Babylonians live. You're gonna live as foreigners, aliens, right? We know this. Peter also picked up on this in his letters. We're not living the way the world lives. People are gonna think we're a little bit different. Yes, we speak differently, we think differently. We, we display a different culture. This is part of how we live as foreigners. And so they did this under the, the instruction of the prophetic word through Jeremiah. Settle down, live differently, but I'm going to ultimately prosper you. And the word of the Lord to us is, through all of this chaos that we're facing, God is still going to bring to us his prosperity, his favor, his goodness, his kindness, his mercy, because we're his children. He is not going to abandon his children. So would you turn with me in your Bibles to Second uh, Chronicles chapter 36. So this is right at the end of the two books of Chronicles. It's the last chapter, and uh, there's almost like a, a bit of an, an, an overview edit of this time period that um, uh, the, the writer of the Chronicles was, was helping us to understand what God was doing in and through this time of the captivity 
which lasted 70 years. Right? So, 2 Chronicles chapter 36. You'll have to look it up yourself. Um, I would appreciate that. Let's read along from verse 15. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them through his messengers again and again because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people and there was no remedy. He brought up against them the king of the Babylonians, who killed their young men with a sword in the sanctuary and spared neither young man nor young woman, old man or aged. God handed all of them over to Nebuchadnezzar. He, that's Nebuchadnezzar, carried to Babylon all the articles from the temple of God, both large and small, and the treasuries of the Lord's temple and the treasuries of the king and his officials. They set fire to God's temple. They broke down the wall of Jerusalem. They burned all the palaces and destroyed everything of value there. He carried into exile to Babylon the remnant who escaped from the sword and they became servants to him and his sons until the kingdom of Persia came to power. So we see a bit of an overview here of uh, Nebuchadnezzar, representing the empire of the Babylonians and uh, carried God's people away. This is part of a judgment that came against God's people because they didn't listen to what he was saying. So there was this, this lockdown. It was like a massive destructive thing, plague if you like, and, uh, and they get carried off. And um, Nebuchadnezzar, we'd also seen this in, uh, in some of the other uh, prophetic books. It's kind of like, Lord, like Habakkuk, Lord, how can this be? How can you let these Babylonians who are so terrible, how can you let them do this? And God says, relax, it's going to be okay. I'm going to raise up another nation that will bring judgment on them. And that was the Persians. And so the, the Persians rise up and they take over all of the territory and the kingdoms of the Babylonians. And of course, uh, the land of Canaan, the, the Israel, was part of that conquered territory. And so the, the Persians begin to handle things a little differently from the way of the Babylonians. And so this is just a, an overview, if you like, of what was going on between the nations. There was the rise and fall of nations during this time of extended lockdown. But we're going to see now in these next couple of verses a very interesting insight as to what was going on and one of the reasons why the Lord brought about the situation of the lockdown. You ready? Verse 21. The land enjoyed its Sabbath rests. All the time of its desolation it rested until the 70 years were completed in fulfillment of the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. Oh my goodness, did you see that? Here the writer of Chronicles gives the spiritual insight as to the reason why God allowed the, the captivity to last 70 years. 70 years wasn't just some arbitrary number that Jeremiah prophesied. There was a particular reason for the length of time and it was all to do with the land not resting. 
Okay, let's read that again. The land, verse 21, the land enjoyed its Sabbath rests. All the time of its desolation, it rested until the 70 years were completed in fulfillment of the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. Then it goes on to speak about Cyrus being raised up and, uh, and he was going to be used of the Lord to bring about a restoration. So we've got this, this amazing insight as to what God was intending for the land and for the people of God to experience during the lockdown. It is closely tied to rest. And I believe that one of the things that the Lord has been doing during this time of captivity, not being able to go out of your house, can't go anywhere, can't go and swim and go to the beach and whatever it is, not even Boxburg, you know, the wave pool, whatever. You can't even, you know, do a fake sea. So everything has, has been sort of trimmed back our movement has been restricted as though we were in captivity. One of the things that the Lord has been doing is been giving us an opportunity for rest. And prophetically, I believe that this is one of the things that the Lord is wanting to restore to the body of Christ during this time. Now you could miss it. You could moan and groan like a lot of the people did who were taken off into captivity and they didn't realize that God was giving them an opportunity for a reset, for repentance, that they might change their ways, that they might turn back to the Lord and they missed what God was doing. And you know what? It's really easy for believers to get into a place of negativity and criticism and oh, woe is me and actually miss out on what God is giving you the opportunity to enter into a time of rest. Now we've just finished the time of you know, December holidays. And you know, typically we have this cycle where you work flat out for 11 months and then when it gets to December, then you can have a time of rest. And now we're in January, okay, rest over, now we go flat out. And I want to challenge you. God's redemptive purpose in all of this is that we should live constantly from a place of rest. That we don't abandon the place of rest. That he's giving us an opportunity to approach life differently. That we might come into alignment with his purposes. You see, you can come to a place of mental exhaustion when you're trying to figure out, like, you know, trying to solve the, the, the challenges and you never actually let your mind come to a place of peace, a place of rest, you can have mental burnout, you can have exhaustion. You can have spiritual exhaustion, you're trying to sort out your own spirituality through your own good works. No, 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 Hebrews 4 speaks about entering into the rest of the Lord. It's a place of faith and a place of obedience, not a place of disobedience and your own works. So that place of faith is a place of rest, spiritual rest. People physically get to a place of exhaustion because they don't sleep 
properly. You know, sleep is a gift from the Lord. And uh, some of you should embrace it more. Yeah, you're running around, you, you're working so hard because you, you're trying to, you know, get ahead. But you're, you're burning up your physical resources and your body will eventually pay the price. So, what was God's original purpose? If we want to come into alignment with his plans and his purposes, we need to recognize that that instruction to take rest was a very carefully thought through instruction. So the judgment that came for the 70 years was because Israel had not, in 490 years, observed the seventh year principle of letting the land lie fallow. And, and you'll find this in Exodus chapter 23, verses 10 through 12, where, where God very specifically says, you know, six years, uh, you sow your fields and work hard, whatever, but during the seventh year, let the land lie fallow, unplowed, unused. And so this principle God had very clearly given to his people, they didn't listen, and God said, all right, uh, if you're not going to give the land rest, I will ensure that the land gets its rest. And, um, and so we will uh, take a break. Everybody, let's go on 70 years of lockdown. We're going to have 70 years holiday back to back. And so you won't be able to do the normal things that you have been able to do. And I'm going to ensure that the land gets its rest. And in fact, in, um, in Exodus uh, sorry, Leviticus 26, verse 34 and 35, God says, there's a whole list in the verses prior to that, where he says, if you don't follow my ways, there are going to be all kinds of things that are going to come upon you. And then he says, I, I, I will, uh, the land will enjoy its Sabbath years all the time that it lies desolate, and you're in the country of your enemies. Oh my goodness. God is giving them the, the warning Hundreds of years before, and say, This is the way it's going to be, but if you don't do it this way, there will be lockdown coming. There will be captivity. And so, what happened in the captivity was fulfillment because of their disobedience. Because they would not rest, they would not allow the land to rest. God was serious about this. Okay? So, why? You remember in Genesis chapter 2. Some of you are not quite that old. But Genesis chapter 2, um, it says here, the first three verses, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day. He made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So God sets the principle of rest right there at the very beginning, Genesis chapter two. God rested, not because he was tired, but in a celebration of completing his plans, his purpose at that stage. So God rests, he takes time to evaluate and enjoy creation. It's good, it's very good. 
And so he institutes this thing and he makes it holy. In other words, it's separate from, it's other than. And so the Sabbath day is to me a day different from the other six days. And God brings us as created beings into this pattern. And so he weaves it into our lives in the weekly cycle and he brings it also into the, the seven yearly cycle. And then of course we've also got the jubilee. It's seven times seven, 49, we have the, the jubilee. All right, so um, you know, even in the wilderness, when God was supplying manna, he said, listen, I'm actually gonna use this as an opportunity to test your obedience. Can you actually follow the rhythms of rest? He specifically says so in Exodus 16. He says, I'm gonna use this, the Sabbath principle, in the providing of manna, I'm actually gonna use this as a test. And so, as you know, the manna falls six days. On the sixth day, they must collect double portion, hallelujah, into this double portion thing, because on the seventh day, there won't be any. And, um, and, and so the Lord is reinforcing this pattern. And then he, he's telling them, you know, th through all the instructions that he's given to Moses, he says, guys, I'm going to give you rest. You know that whole p passage in, um, uh, in Exodus 33, you know, Lord, I want to see your glory, right? You know, Lord, if, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from this place. And, and the whole context there is, is with the conquest and it's all about, I'm going to bring you into your land of rest. You'll have rest from your enemies. You know, I think that there's something here in terms of the Lord bringing us into a place of peace, of not having to warfare things, of rest from our enemies. All right? Remember also, with Solomon, he had rest on every side. David wanted to build a temple, a place for worship. And God says, listen, you've been a man of war, too much blood on your hands, but your son, he will be a man of peace and of rest. And he will build the temple. And then Solomon picks that up and he says, the Lord has given me a rest on every side. So now, let's, let's build a place for his name to dwell a place where we might worship. So from this place of peace and this place of rest is also the place of God encounter. God gives us rest from our enemies, but also God wants us to be in a place of rest, a place of trusting him. Because that was the whole thing in the wilderness with the manna, it's faith. It was faith to collect double portion only on day six, when they collected double portion on any other day, got maggots, went rotten, couldn't they had to throw it away. And if they went looking for the manna on day seven, there was none. So all this thing about just a life of faith, of obedience, of trusting in the Lord, a place of resting from our own efforts, and a place of trusting in Him. And so God institutes this, this thing of rest for the land. He says, guys, if you don't rest the land, I'm going to take you off into captivity. And there they are, spending 70 years on the trot, paying back 
for the one in seven year cycle of rest that they didn't give for the 490 years. But it was all in alignment with God had revealed what he'd spoken of, revealed it in Genesis, through Moses said, listen, this is how it needs to be when you get into the land, this is how you must operate. He says, I'm gonna bring you into this place and you will have rest from your enemies. I believe that the Lord wants us to be in a place of resting in him. And as we do that, he's gonna bring about the deliverance. He's gonna bring about in a place, the place of God encounter. So Moses in Exodus 33, you know, Lord, let your presence go with us. He says, the Lord says the very thing, my presence, I will go with you and I will give you rest. So wow, show me your glory, Lord. And God goes before him, puts Moses in the, in the cleft of the rock, proclaims his goodness, isn't that amazing? This is, this is how he reveals himself. He proclaims his goodness. And then in 34 later on it says, now remember, keep the Sabbath. Keep the place of rest. This is part of massive revelation of God, who he is and how he's supposed to walk with him, live with him. It's a life of faith. Rest is an action of faith. Come on. Just like tithing is an action of faith. When I tithe, I say, Lord, you are my provider, not me. It's not my hands, not my great skills and whatever. No, you've given me life, breath, everything, my skills, my talents, my ability to even generate wealth. Everything comes from you. I'm recognizing it's actually from you. So you know what? We're just gonna prove this so I'm actually going to live on the nine-tenths to prove that actually it's not me that's sorting all this out and enabling me to survive and thrive. Actually, it's you. And so tithing is an action of faith, acknowledging and recognizing that God is my provider. Jehovah Jireh, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Tithe is this thing of, of, of worship, of just like, you know, of offering and sacrificing and acknowledging that God is actually the one who provides. Tithing is faith. That's why there's so much attack against it. Don't want you to live by faith. It's kind of like, whoa. Likewise, this thing of rest. Oh, you're just lazy. It's kind of like, no, 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 no. No, we work. Hey, how about we work six days? Oh, that doesn't go down too well in the modern world, eh? We only want to work four and a half days. Well, you can't really count the first part of Monday morning and you certainly can't count the last part of Friday afternoon. So that only leaves us about four and a half days. Oops, gonna get into trouble on that one. Anyway, there are six days in which you can work, but the seventh, it's kind of like, whoa, Pull back from your own efforts. It's an action of faith to say, Lord, the work that you are enabling me to do as I co-labor with you, as I fulfill my purpose and my destiny, 
as I'm stewarding all the gifts that you've given to me and I'm using the energy and the strength, I'm living by faith and my trust is in you that my work that I'm able to accomplish in six days is more than enough to carry me the space of seven days. It's an action of faith. Rest is faith. Because I'm actually trusting in God's ways of doing things more than, oh, I've got a better way. I won't rest. I'll just do it my way. But as we rest, as we live by faith, we see the Lord come through for us. And from that place of resting in him, and following his ways and his patterns. So we experience something of that abundant life. Yeah? You know, when we rested, we're not so grouchy and grumpy. We're more pleasant to be around. In fact, people want to be around us because we're glowing and we're looking so good and we're, we're able to be in a better place to manage our own emotions. But when we're tired and we're stressed out and worn out, we snap at other people, our judgment is weakened. Very often people fall into all kinds of traps and temptations when they're tired, when they're worn down. Yeah? You're gonna understand the enemy wants to keep you busy. As, as we've kind of like said before, you know, the rat race, everybody's, you know, charging flat out. You know, if you win the rat race, you, you're still a rat. So don't get into that whole thing, the rat race and the treadmill and trying to keep up with what everybody else is. No, no, what is, what is the Lord saying? How does he want us to live? And how should we live according to his ways? It's like with Moses. Lord, I really want to see your glory. And part of that thing of his glory is experiencing his presence and experiencing the rest of God. And the rest of God comes from peace and rest from our enemies, but also observing and keeping the Sabbath rest. Okay? So, let's see if we can, uh, can head towards A bit of a close here. I find it extraordinary that man's first day, his first order of business, so to speak, was to rest. Adam and Eve were created on the sixth day, which meant that their first full day was the seventh day which was the day of rest. The first thing Adam and Eve were to do was to rest. And then from that place of being replenished, being refreshed, being rested, from that place they were then, for the next six days, tend the garden, work, steward, look after, have dominion over, have impact and influence, care, guidance, be, 
be instrumental in looking after, on behalf of God, the planet that he'd given. Work is not a curse. Work is the gift of God. Work is part of co-laboring with him, making earth look like heaven. Gave us a head start. He said, yeah, we are. Eden, right? Here's the prototype. Eden. Start with Eden. Be fruitful. Multiply. Increase. Have lots of little minions who can help you take care of it. <laughs> Have lots of chillins, and you together with the chillins, you spread and expand Eden until Eden covers the whole globe. Come on. That thing of working with God was a God-given gift. It was given before the fall. Work was not cursed. The ground was cursed. Come on, we've got to get accurate theology, people. When we are doing what God created us to do, all right, remember the, the old film, I'm probably speaking to a different generation here, Chariots of Fire, but remembering the Olympic Games with Eric Lytle and his, his, uh, his running, and, uh, and he says, when I run fast, I feel his pleasure. God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. When we are doing the thing that God gave us, we're using what he gave us, and we, we're doing what he created us for, we'll feel our pleasure. When you're working in the business field, the, the medical field, the educational field, the legal field, what, whatever area, whatever sphere, even the political sphere, people, all right, some of you are absolutely perplexed about what's going on and how can Christians be involved in politics? Guys, we are to be involved in every single sphere of life and society. When we're doing what we're called to do, we feel his pleasure. God gives us an anointing and a grace to reflect him. Uh, remember, we must do it in his way <laughs> with the fruit of the spirit. Okay, So we, we're not... Come on, hear, hear me very carefully. We're doing whatever we're doing and in every sphere, but we're doing it with the values of the kingdom and we're bringing the kingdom in, in every place. But we're doing it not from a place of striving and a place of stress, but we're doing it from a place of rest. So, let's be looking for God's redemptive purpose in the season of lockdown. So you can't get in your car and you can't run around. You can't attend meeting after meeting after meeting. Whew, hallelujah. Let the church rest. It's not in our many meetings that we are necessarily going to grow in our spiritual maturity. Now meetings can be a help. But if your focus is in meeting instead of your focus on growing closer to Jesus, you're missing it. And in fact, the meetings are getting in the way of your spiritual development. And sometimes we actually just need a break like we've gotten now. We can't be running around and doing all these things. So in this place of rest, be refreshed and renewed in your relationship with God. Go to him. Don't take a rest from him. No, take a rest in him. So as we are spending time with him, we're being refreshed and renewed. God is giving to us an extended time of rest 
during this, this period. A couple of scriptures as we, as we bring our time to a close. In Exodus chapter 16 and verse 29 and 30, the, the, the Lord is, is giving very, very clear instructions. He says, bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Okay, this is when the manna is falling, right? Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. Sounds a bit like lockdown. <laughs> Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. Okay, so manna is falling. God's supernatural provision is falling while they're in a wilderness. There was a 40-year lockdown, if you like. So in this, this period, it's resting, it's relying on the Lord. It's not stressing, striving with your own sweat trying to figure it out. But it's actually aligning yourselves with God's ways and God's principles. And God, in that supernatural place of his provision with manna falling from heaven, says, gave them the bread of heaven. In that, God still reinforces rest. It's not like they were planting crops. It's not like they were plowing the field. They weren't weeding. They weren't, it wasn't hard labor. They just went out there and collected. After the dew fell, it turned into flakes. It became manna. They just went and picked up enough. And everybody had, no one had too much and no one had too little. It wasn't hard work. Even that which was not very hard work. God still gave them the instruction, rest. And then Hebrews chapter four, from verse nine until 11. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their own works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore Make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. I know the context is resting from your, your own self-effort and your own self-righteousness and trying to earn your way towards favor with God. Earn your own salvation. That's disobedience you cannot enter into rest through your own efforts. I understand that that's the application directly in terms of this passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter four. But I think that there's another layer that we can get from this thing. There is, there still remains the rest of the Lord. And let's make every effort to enter into this. Let's not, through disobedience, miss out on the rest of the Lord. So, he who has ears to hear, hear what the Lord is saying through this time of lockdown. 2021, we're going to have lots of opportunity for rest. I know that might not sound like good news to some of you. 2020 was the year of double portion. 
Some of us thought double portion meant it was all coming in the year 2020. Maybe it looks a little bit more like we get to do a redo of 2020 in 2021. (laughs) So if you didn't rest in 2020, here's an opportunity. Don't miss out what God is giving to you in 2021. Rest. Yes. Still get an opportunity to do your work six days. But when you have the opportunity, embrace the opportunity for rest. Do something different. Live differently. Think differently. Your attitude is different. It's not the old way of stressing and striving and trying to make your ends meet. It's kind of like, whoa, I'm actually going to step into the rest of the Lord. I'm going to join Jesus in the bottom of the boat. He's taking a nap, even though there's this crazy storm going on. How about we join Jesus? How about we rest? How about we live from a place of faith in 2021? And see how God causes things to be turned around. You see, the land was refreshed during that lockdown. The land was renewed, was revitalized. So when they came back, they came back into the most extraordinary time of restoration. And restoration is always double. It's always greater. Greater fruitfulness, greater prosperity, greater blessing, just good times. This is what the Lord has for us. So you know what? Let's join God in rest. Let's pray. Lord, you say to us in your word, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts, not your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts, far higher than your thoughts. Lord, we want to come into alignment with your ways and your thoughts. We've tried to figure our way through this thing. But you're actually calling us to a higher way. The way of rest. Lord, help us to see what you're doing. Even though everything is topsy-turvy and so different from what we had expected. Help us to embrace the season of rest. That we might experience a great internal refreshing renewing, a revitalizing, a restoring on the inside that when we come into the next season, we might then see it manifest on the outside, a revitalizing and a restoring of all things around us. We thank you, Lord, even for the restoring that we're beginning to see on the planet as pollution levels come down as waters are cleaned up, as, as, as land is, is re- refreshed and renewed. We thank you, Lord, 
that the planet is responding to this time of rest. I'm asking that we as your children would also respond appropriately in the season of rest. That you might strengthen us on the inside. That we come to a place of greater maturity in you. A place of faith as we rest in you. Thank you, Lord. Put our hope and our trust in you. Amen and amen. Bless you. Thank you so much for for joining us today, family. I, I trust that this has been an encouragement to you and that as you begin to rearrange your life for this year, that you're able to cause things to come into alignment with the plans, the purposes, and the patterns of God, which includes rest. So bless you. And uh, we look forward to your company next time. And until then, have a great week. Goodbye.